0: Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible, and let's jump into Scripture together.
1: Good morning. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Lauren Flickinger. My husband is Blake, and we have three children, Everly, Myla, and Grady. Um, Chris had asked Blake and I to read the passage for today. Uh, Blake is at work, so thankfully I can read. (laughs) So, we are uh, still in 1 Peter, uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 5 through 14. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who is, are in Christ.
0: Thanks. Hi, good morning, church. Uh, such a pleasure to be here with you today. And uh, I, I asked the to to read the passage this morning, for two reasons. One, I just really like the idea of having other people up here, uh, getting uh, familiar with different faces, different names, um, as we strive to continue to reach out to the, the communities here. And the second was I've gotten to uh, personally see uh, Blake and Lauren uh, allow the gospel to transform their lives. And for those that don't know them as well as I do um, I don't know how many how many years ago it was maybe eight eight years ago. Lauren, uh, they they stepped foot in this church and uh, were looking for a, a, a body of believers that could encourage them and help them in their in their walk with the Lord. And they didn't just simply come to Sunday morning, um, but instead they decided to give their lives to the Lord and be used by Him and for Him. And so from a place of first of all coming on Sunday morning, but then being open enough to reach out and say, hey, we want to be a part of something more than just Sunday morning. Um, allowing my wife and I to to mentor and disciple them for about a year and a half. Coming to the Piper household for about two and a half hours at nighttime. That was before they had children. Um, and just simply looking into God's word and allowing it to transform them to now Blake being a leader of his own household. And um, them on- honoring the Lord with how they raised their kids. Um to the point where now not only are they where they allowed, allowed other people into their lives, but they also have been willing to open up their home and use it as a way to encourage other believers through a small group. And so, I, I and then beyond that, just the fact that they're using their gifts in a way to serve the Lord. And uh, I think Lauren helps out in the children's ministry. Blake is uh, he served on the adult ministry team for three years. They uh, host and lead small groups. So you start to see what can happen when a person will humble themselves and allow the Lord to use them. And so thank you, Blake and Lauren, who Blake's not here, but thank you for your willingness to engage the Lord and allow him to use you guys. I think it's awesome to see that. Um, and it's really been encouraging to myself and my wife as we have um, as we have uh, been able to walk alongside of them. Today, the, what I want to do, as with most times when you look at the Word of God, we tend to focus in on maybe one particular passage, which is what Lauren read to us. But I want to actually read the entirety of First Peter this morning. Okay, And as we are aware, this is a letter that was written. And I feel that it's going to be most impactful. If we can see the entirety of the letter. And I love it that I hear the pages already flipping backwards, which is awesome. So let's turn back to First Peter 1. Okay, and, and there's, there's, there's multiple reasons for why I want to do this. As I mentioned, this is a letter written, and I think it was read in such a way, so I, I feel it would be beneficial for us as believers to hear the entirety of the letter. And then I want to try my best to summarize what it is that um, Peter has exhorted us to, not just in this um, small amount of text that I'm going to get to in a few minutes, but within the entirety of the letter. And so let's pray before we get into God's Word, and then we're going to get started. God, we simply want to be used by you, and uh, as we sang, great are you, Lord, and God, we proclaim that you are worthy, and now it's just a matter of us submitting to you. Help us to do that better each day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is active. Thank you that it transforms the hearts of a man and a woman who are willing to engage you. So humble us as we read it, may what it says become the way that we live our lives, that you might be honored and glorified in Jesus' name, amen. First Peter chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Athenia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from the forefathers, your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you... He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but now but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, that braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Adam, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and you do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to, to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subject to him. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passion, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers." Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of, your suffer, let none of you suffer as murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed." "'Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. "'Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. "'For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. "'Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, "'so that at the proper time he may exalt you, "'casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. "'Be sober-minded, be watchful. "'Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, "'seeking someone to devour. "'Resist him, firm in your faith, "'knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced "'by your brotherhood throughout the world.'" And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. By sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. See who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, Send you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love peace to all of you who are in Christ. Amen. So I've done my job at this point. I proclaimed the na- name of Jesus through scripture. I should, I should be done, right? Um, unfortunately and fortunately I have some other words to say, share, that I feel like God has put on my heart. Matt approached me a couple months ago asking if I would be willing to stand here and, and share. And I'll be honest, it's it is. Uh, someone asked me if I get excited or nervous, and the answer is yes to both of those things. Um, there is a level of respect that I have for Pastor Matt when he stands up here and proclaims God's uh, word and does it in such a way that it brings clarity. And so the prayer today is that the, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that lives in Matt, lives in me, will be able to proclaim the same message to you today. As we, as we read through that entire text, hopefully we can bring together the last couple of months of what Matt has been teaching on. And what I took from it was this. Peter is exhorting us to live a life of holiness, to use our gifts to build up one another, to live in submission to others, to suffer for Christ, to recognize the grace that we've been given, and finally, to live in humility as we serve others and God. When I think about this text... A couple of things come to my mind many of you know that i have children and believe they're in here um, and so without sharing any names um, i have three and sometimes in the morning my wife leaves early to go to work and i get to be dad which means helping pick out clothes and i don't know about you but that sometimes is a challenge to say the least and so as i was thinking about this text Peter exhorting us to clothe ourselves. I thought about my own life. And so I have three different uh, kids. And they all three take their clothing in the morning a little bit differently. The first one, very careless at what they are wearing. Remember, no names, no genders. Okay? And it seems like almost without any concern, they just put on whatever comes out of the drawer fast. Even at times where it may not even look right according to dad, but to each their own. The second one doesn't even try. Will just simply lay on the floor and say, I need help picking out my clothes and just waits for someone to come and help them. And then the final one seems very eager to ask for help, want the help, I Go in because I tried my best to pick out the clothes that are going to make sense, look good, look good for the particular day, the weather. I leave and I come back and there's been three other outfits picked out, worn and thrown on the floor. And it doesn't even look half as 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 good as what I originally had picked out, but I just let it go. okay? and so I don't know if you have very similar situations in your own household, but I'll let you decide which of those is, is who. Um, they automatically know who I'm talking about right now. So, But Peter is giving us an exhortation today that we heard last week Pastor Matt call um, you into helping us as leaders to be accountable for what God has entrusted to us to do, which is to shepherd the flock as he has done. Um, and he, he mentioned the importance of being an example to you and that you guys making sure that what we're doing, how we approach it, is done in a way that honors the Lord. And today, my call, from what Peter is telling us, is it doesn't stop with the leaders, it's actually to the church as well. You have been called to a life of humility. And the big idea, and I don't have slides today, and so if you're taking notes, my big idea, or the main point of today's passage is very, very simple. Humility is a mark of a maturing believer in Jesus get a drink of water. Humility is a mark of a maturing believer in Jesus. If we look at the text right in verse 5, likewise. So what is he talking about? Is exactly what Pastor Matt talked about yesterday. This call to being shepherds of the flock and to doing it in such a way that's not under compulsion, but willingly, um Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering, but being examples. He says, likewise, and he's talking to the church now, you who are younger be subject to the elders. And so my first point today is we are called to be clothed in humility toward one another. The text says, as you continue in verse 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, All of you with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I love that Peter, as he was sharing this letter, was so clear. Why are we clothed to be, or why is he calling us to be clothed in humility toward one another? Look at the text. What does it say? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It starts with a recognition that God is in control. We have to submit to the Lord first and foremost. And so, to me, there's two kind of points within that first verse. Why do we do it? Because God opposes the proud. But how do we do it? Number one, we submit to the elders and the church leadership. Okay, And I'm not up here to tell you that you should bow down to us. That's not what I'm asking. But instead, to recognize the call that has been placed on our lives. Recognize what Peter just proclaimed in this chapter And simply come alongside of us, pray for us, and allow the giftings that God has given to those that are in church leadership to serve you. Because that's ultimately the call here, is that we are allowed to serve you as the body of believers. And some of you might think in the text, well, younger, is that only for the younger people? But instead, the the Greek word, and I don't have the exact Greek word, but it, it means fellow believers. So all of you who claim the name of Jesus clothe yourselves in humility towards one another by first surrender, surrendering to the church leadership. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So secondly, we are called to clothe ourselves in humility by serving the needs around us. Each of us have been given gifts. Gifts that can help people around us but we have to enter into and use those in a way that would honor the lord a couple different passages that stand out to me that were brought to my attention as i was studying first peter which is what we just talked about if you just turn back a page first peter chapter four verse eight and ten what does it tell us to do above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So not only is Peter reiterating what he's already discussed in the book, we see it here that we're called to humble ourselves toward one another by serving the needs of the people around us. Okay? And that's going to look different for everybody. There's many things here. First, it says to, to love people. How do you do that? You enter into relationship with people. Are you willing to engage people, or do you simply just come on a Sunday morning and sit and leave? Have you taken the next step to saying, I, I want to not only maybe be known by name in the church, but I want to actually commit to the church using my gifts, my time, my talents, my treasures in a way that would honor the Lord? And as you do that, what happens is you get to know people, and you'll notice that lots of people have lots of needs. Are you willing to engage the people where they're at? Are you willing to humble yourself as you do it? Philippians 2 says this, verses 3 and 4, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let me just say in layman's term, stop thinking about you and put people ahead of yourself. Jesus is our example of that. We look to him. We're not perfect, but we look to him as our example in living a life of humility. And it doesn't just happen within the church. And I should have said this before I got into the text today. But it starts where God has given you and entrusted you. So if you're a husband, it starts with serving your wife and humbling yourself at home. If you have children, thanks be to God for children. But it starts with me humbling myself in service to my children because God has entrusted you with those. That is your number one ministry, not the church. And then from there, as Matt talked about last week as well, then we start thinking about how do I come and use my gifts in this place and into the ends of the earth in a way that would honor the Lord. So first and foremost... Remember, clothed in humility towards one another, right in verse 5. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. A maturing believer in Jesus will be clothed in humility toward God. Why? Look at the verse. At the proper time, he may exalt you. He being God. And we don't know when the exaltation will happen. But we believe and know that according to the word of God, one day we will be with Jesus face to face forever in eternity if we've given our lives to him. And so that's the day we look forward to. But meanwhile, while God has still given us breath in our lungs, we have been called to humility toward God. Which starts with first recognizing that we have to cast our cares on God. The text says it this way. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Are you humble enough to recognize that you in and of yourself can do nothing? It doesn't mean we sit back and twiddle our thumbs and wait for God to do something because we've been given gifts. We've been given um, this life to be used for him. But according to John fifteen five, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what does it say, church? Nothing. nothing. Lift your voices. You can do nothing. So we have to recognize that the cares we have, God cares about them. He has a desire that he knows them, that they come from you. God's all-knowing. He knows our cares. He knows the, the frustrations, the challenges that we have. But he desires that you share them with him. Why? Because it's your way of humbling yourself. You are not God as much as you think that you want to be or that you are. God is God. He cares for us. So let's cast our cares on him. Number two, Point number two within this, clothed in humility toward God looks like a person who shares honestly with God and God's people. This is one that, when I think back to being a, a new believer in Jesus, it's hard. It's hard to want to be transparent with other people. And I've heard it a lot, whether it be in a small group, in a discipleship relationship, or even just simply um, as I've served on church leadership, is that people don't want to tell others about their past or their present because they're afraid of either the shame, they're afraid that it might get into the public eye, or maybe because they've been hurt in the past. And I, I feel terrible that that's happened to those people um, And I can tell you, for a matter of fact, it's happened to me. I've boldly proclaimed what Jesus has done for me, and it's been shared in the public eye. But ultimately, my question for you is, what do you care more about? Do you care more about what God thinks or what man thinks? And I think God has called us to live a life of transparency with other believers, Guy said it this morning. It's, it's been hard for them to not have other people surrounding them, sharpening them, encouraging them, holding them accountable. And I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think that's what you were saying. And I would say that's still the case here in America. But yet we too often shy away from being in relationship because of the pains that come from it. And I believe Peter says very, very clearly here that we are to cast our anxieties on him at being God and also on God's people. First John 1.9 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's hard to share openly how you're really doing. It's hard to tell people the sin that you struggle with. It's hard to hear when you know a brother of Christ or sister in Christ who's struggling It's hard to have to hear those conversations, but it's what helps us to grow into being more like Jesus. Thirdly, if you look at the text with me, verse 7, excuse me, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And here's the why. Why should I humble ourselves toward the devil, toward evil, toward suffering, toward trial? Here's what Peter says. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's why we live a life of humility, because that's what's coming for the believer in Jesus. Confirmation, restoration, strengthening, and to be established in the place where Jesus himself dwells. So how do we go about living a life of humility toward trial and suffering, toward the devil, which we don't often talk a lot about in church, but believe it or not, Satan is real. He is crafty, he's deceitful, he's known as the father of lies, and his job is to seek and destroy you. So how do we recognize a crafty liar? We humble ourselves in recognition that it's happening. All around us. We humble ourselves by being watchful and sober-minded. Just think about the text, whether it was from this morning, I read it from the whole, or all of Matt's sermons. How often has Peter told the church to be watchful, to be sober-minded? Why is he telling them that? There must be something trying to come between their pursuit of Jesus. These are new, fairly new believers. And Peter's trying to strengthen them by telling them, as you mature, as you follow the Lord, you need to recognize trial, suffering, and Satan are going to happen. Are you ready for that? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. As we mature in our relationship with Christ, we not only should be humble toward others in serving them, humble toward the Lord and recognizing that He is the one that cares for us, and can strengthen us. But we have to be humble in the fact that Satan is after us. His job is to destroy you, but your job is to take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's our job. And the last point... Of being humble toward trial and suffering is simply this. Be willing to engage with others who have or are going through trials. As I mentioned earlier, when we are living in life with one another, we are all broken people in need of Jesus. And therefore, we need to recognize that there are going to be trials. And so our job is not to fix them. Our job is to simply be in relationship with people, helping them to recognize that their trial is not just simply for them, but it's something that maybe you've experienced or something that somebody's going to experience in the future. I think about my own personal walk with Christ and the challenges that happened to me. And I still remember the day when the Lord prompted me to share transparently one of my struggles in small group. And a brother in Christ afterwards came up and said, I'm so thankful that you shared that because it helped me to recognize I'm not alone. That I'm not the only one going through this. And it was the, he told me this, it's the one reason why we're continuing to come back to small group. We have the ability to walk alongside with people to recognize that what God has allowed to happen in our life may be something someone else is going through and help them as they get through this. As we think about the passage, and really the entirety of 1 Peter, there's been a lot that has been called for us to live out. Not perfectly, but progressively. And so I want to simply close my time by saying this. And the worship team, you can come forward. We are God's creatures. Small, finite, dependent limited in intelligence and ability, prone to sin and soon to die and face God's judgment. But, we are also God's children, created, loved, and redeemed by God's grace alone, not by anything in or of ourselves, and gifted by God with certain unique gifts, abilities, resources, and advantages, which are to be used for His glory. As we think about the clothing illustration from the beginning of my time, all of us could probably see ourselves in one of those three situations. The first one simply being, I'm a person who doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't desire to want to wear the things he's called me to wear. So I'm going to put on whatever I want to put on because that's ultimately what I want. And the first step really for you is just simply to surrender your life to Jesus. Too often we show up to church on Sunday morning thinking that somehow this is what it's all about. But God has called us to so much more than that. He's called us to humble ourselves and recognize that we're sinful people. And that apart from him, you can do nothing. He's gifted you in certain amazing ways. He's brought you through trials that maybe you're still going through that he will use for his glory if you'll engage his people. Or maybe you're like my second child who simply says, sure, I'll do it. Just pick it out for me. I don't know what it is, but just put, tell me what you want me to do and I'll go do it. You have everything you need to live a life for Jesus. We simply need to stop sitting and start putting our faith into action. We have to be willing when we come on a Sunday morning to not make it about us, but make it about God. We have to go beyond Sunday morning and say, God, how is it that you want me to be used on Monday through Saturday in my job, in discussing with my neighbors, in serving the people around me because the needs are heavy. Are you willing to engage? Are you willing to put on humility? Are you willing to surrender yourselves before the Lord and say, God, use me. Here I am. Or maybe you're like my last child who says, sure, I'll put that on. But then you take it off because you don't like it. You tried it out for a little bit, but now it's it's not for me. And I would say you need to simply seek biblical accountability for your life. You need people in your life that are going to point you to Jesus. Living faith by yourself is not what God's called us to. God said to shepherd the flock. Not just for leaders, but for all of us. God's called us to be in community. God's called us to be a blessing. Like I tell the small group people when I get the opportunity to lead, we're not simply just called to get the blessing. We're called to be a conduit of blessing. That the blessing flows in and through into other people. How do we do that? We engage people. So the question is very simple. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Step one, humble yourself. You can do it, nothing. But I've given my life to Jesus. What's next, Chris? Well, then I need to simply figure out how can I serve the people and the needs around me? Stop making Sunday morning about you. It's about Jesus. And finally, as I already said, if you're doing those things, Praise be to God that you're stepping out in faith. But lastly, be willing to engage other people and be held accountable for maturing in Christ. Don't do this alone. That's not how we've been called. So this morning, as, as, as we are going to sing in just a minute, and you know, I remember going back to my own personal journey of living for myself. And it's still hard. Every day it's hard. But it takes a humility that recognizes that it's first and foremost about the Lord. So, humble yourselves this morning. Humble yourselves in recognition that God is and should be our number one at all times. And then allow that to motivate you to go out and to serve the needs around you and to live a life that would ultimately look like Jesus to the best of your ability. Let's pray. God, we, we come to you and it's, it's hard sometimes to think about this, this life that you've called us to live. It's not easy. And we recognize, God, that you're in control. And that you ultimately are the one that deserves all the praise and all the glory. And we fail you. And so just humble us in this time, God. Humble us to, and remind us that it's really, truly you. Who deserves all the glory. May your people not simply just hear a message today of truth, but also of love. One that says we love you and we desire that they would walk into that truth. And that God, as you mature them, as you mature me, God, we would see your glory. We would see your kingdom come. So Lord, as we sing this last song and as we think about what it, what it requires you, just simply takes a, a humility that says, "God, I trust you. God, I have faith that you can do it. Help me, God, in this time where it's really hard to step in. Help me to step in. Help me God to engage the people around me. Help me God to be in relationship with the people that you've placed in my life that you might be glorified. Thank you God for your word. Thank you God for Jesus for his death, his resurrection that brings us hope now and into eternity. In all God's people say